This episode contains spoilers. Please listen responsibly. Hello, everyone. My name is Jason Ramirez, and welcome to season two, episode two of the Hit List podcast. A podcast where me and a guest cross off films from a watch list and by watching them. I'm joined today by entrepreneur, educator, and UMD alumnus Ben Chobinet. Welcome, Ben. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, Jason. I'm really glad to be here. Actually, I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Before we get started uh, with the movies today, can you tell me a little bit about, about your streaming viewing habits? Whenever you sit down to watch a movie, do you choose to watch something new or do you stick to your favorites? That's a great question. Actually. You know, I'm all over the map. I like all kinds of movies, except for horror, but we get to that. <laughs> you know, it depends on my mood, honestly. So I, I love movies. I've always loved movies. It's the way that I relax and I get away from my crazy life of an entrepreneur. Sometimes I feel like a comedy. Sometimes I feel like a really sad, depressing movie. Sometimes my wife and I want to watch rom-coms. But the top, top type of movie that I watch are either science fiction or action or superhero movies. Superhero movies are on the top of my list. So, you know, I'm a big Marvel DC fan. Um, I used to be a big comic book reader when I was younger. I don't have time for that now. So if there's a new superhero movie out, it's gonna, I'm going to be watching that right away, right? But beyond that, you know, I'll see what my choices are. I'll, I'll look around what's available to me. And if it's a new one, I'll watch a new movie uh, that, that kind of calls my name. If not, I'll go to, the, to my old favorites and look around to see what I haven't seen. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing for me. I, with, the, with the help of this podcast, I've been watching more newer stuff. Before, it'll be like some of my old favorites. And I, I agree with you there. I used to not like horror as much. And it's just so crazy because whenever I'm on Instagram, I do a, the discover discovery. And there's always like something new happening in the comics. And I'm like, wait, they did that now? Yeah. <laughs> There's like a war over like the Jokers. I'm like, okay, this is a little get, getting a little too crazy. Yeah. But, but yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Well, the comics you can't keep up with, you know, all kinds of craziness happens. But but I, you know, I used to be totally into the X-Men. So um, I used to follow that a lot. I like the new Avengers um, spin of the Marvel Universe. So, you know, that, that stuff kind of gets me going if I, if I if I don't have anything else new to watch. But honestly, like... I, you know, lately, I, I'm, as I'm also getting older, I like mature themes. I like drama that's that's real and honest as well. So uh, some of the independent movies that I watch are really, really enjoyable as well. With the horror thing, I mean, I used to watch horror movies all the time. But one thing happened a long time ago um, when I was in college that just totally stopped I, I stopped watching horror movies after that and that's called the Blair Witch Project have you heard of that one <laughs> it came out in the movies now everyone knows you know it was just fiction but when it came out they actually marketed it as real like a documentary and we went and watched it thinking it was real it scared the shit out of me and I, I just couldn't I couldn't watch horror movies after that, even though I found out <laughs> immediately that it was fiction. But it was just so scary thinking of it as as documentary. So I I know we're not talking about that one, but it's a it's I, I would I would recommend you watch it. 
of course, knowing that it's fiction is not going to have the same effect. But it was it was really strong when we watched it. Yeah, I read up on the history of the Blair Witch Project, and I believe it was also shot in Maryland. Yeah, and from what I've heard, they even like they even like said on the IMDb accounts of the actors in there that they said that they're missing after that project. And back then, they would like share like the v the VHS tapes of the film, and people would share it with each other, and people actually believed it was real, and. Knowing now, like it's fiction, it's like, oh yeah, I can watch it. But like, I don't know how I would have reacted back then <laughs> if I thought it was real. Especially that I'm in Maryland, so it's like, I mean, we're both in Maryland, and I was like, oh my god, this is really happening. And it was genius marketing. I don't know if they could ever do it again, especially these days. But back then, you know, social media wasn't huge. You know, secrets wouldn't come out as as quickly. So it was like the perfect timing for what they did. So when 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 my choice of the movie we, we chose that and then i looked it up and i was like holy cow it says horror <laughs> i was so scared <laughs> to watch it but it wasn't actually a horror movie it was actually a pretty good movie so yeah i don't know what you, how you felt about the horror movie so like sorry about that but hopefully they weren't as scary for you because they weren't as scary for me. no no so so i mean it's you know my choice was the the movie was was get out and it said horror and I was so nervous to watch, and I watched it last night in preparation for this. And in the end, it really wasn't like a horror movie. It was a thriller, that's for sure. Right. And it was really enjoyable to watch, I have to say. And I got all kinds of observations from that whenever you're ready. Yeah. We did a little something different for this episode. The two films we chose are actually somewhat related because one of them influenced the other. So the two films we'll be discussing today are Get Out, directed by Jordan Peele, and The Stepford Wives, directed by Brian Forbes. And just for a little fun fact for y'all, Jordan Peele took inspiration from the Stepford Wives when he wrote Get Out. And we'll have more details on that later. So Get Out was on Ben's list. Ben, why was this movie on your list? Because one of my companies has majority African-American employees. And I went into the office and they it, when it just came out and they had all watched it, and they were like, oh my God, it was crazy. <laughs> They're like, it was really scary. It was really horrible. Uh, but it was really, really good, and you couldn't stop watching it. Not horrible in a bad way. And I'm like, uh, was it scary? And they're like, well, we, you know, I was, I was like, is it, was it racist? Was it like, you know, was it about racism? They're like, we, we can't really explain it. We can't really tell you. You just have to watch it. Right. So the whole time I was thinking it's about racism in America, which is, I think, a very apt subject, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I was getting ready to talk about, you know, get into all kinds of serious discussion today about racism in America. And then I watched it. And I have to say, it was, it was not what I expected at all. But I, you know, I'm, racism is a topic that I'm very interested in. So that's why it was on my list. Yeah, I gotcha. I first saw it back when, it, like in 2017, like a few months after it was in theaters, I watched it at a friend's house and like they just had it on. And I became very interested in it because I'm the type of guy, I won't believe in the hype because I've been disappointed before, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I'll just like, wait, like maybe, maybe months or years later. And that one, I felt really, how do I, I felt bummed out. I didn't see it in theaters because I loved that movie so much. So a little bit of background on to Jordan Peele. When I first heard he was um, coming out with this movie, I thought it might've been like a funny movie or it might not have been good because I've only known him from comedy stuff. So like, before he was mostly known for Get Out and Us, he was mostly known for his sketch comedy show, Keen Peel, alongside Keegan-Michael Key. That's right. And before that, he was on Mad TV. So for most people, this this came as a complete surprise that he came off a horror movie that he wrote and directed. And a movie that like a lot of people enjoyed it to the point like he was in Times 
list of 100 influential, influential people by the end of that year in 2017. So this movie meant a lot to a lot of, a lot of people. I want to ask you, what was your what were your favorite aspects about the movie? So, you know, I, as an immigrant, you know, when I came to America, uh, I was 15 years old when I came here. I honestly had no concept of the race, uh, I guess, the concerns and issues and problems in this country, right? Just thought everybody is an American and that's it, right? And so when I came here, you know, I went to high school and I was just trying to learn English and figure things out. And then... I got to college and that's when I started to kind of feel the need to understand more about this. And so I took a African-American culture and history class in college and I learned so much about the African-American plight. And what was really interesting to me is that I showed up in class, there were like 30 students. I was the only one who was not black. Mm. I was the only, and I'm, you know, I'm from Middle Eastern origin, so I'm, I guess I'm brown, but, you know, I saw myself as, you know, white in my way but you know i just wasn't and i was like why is everybody black in here why is no one else interested right in this other than just black people and that to me was kind of crazy right so you know as i've learned more and more about about, about the history there, there's so much to it there's so much about the conversation that just people on either side may not understand and what i thought was incredible about this movie first of all i'm a screenwriter and I, you know, just love the screenplay and I, and I, and I know, you know, want the Oscar, just the way that the story is, un, is unfolded. That's number one. Number two is the cinematography. You know, I love, I love how it was the, at the beginning, you know, everything's bright and everything. And then as things start to, uh, get unhinged, you know, you get darker and darker and darker and the scenery gets darker and darker. Of course, it starts with that very first shot of being dark and you know, at night, when the first uh, guy, I, I'm very bad with names, but the first guy gets abducted. The third thing was, I love the girl, the way that she was presented, where where she was at first this really innocent girl and she was just like in love with her boyfriend. And it slowly turned into, she was like the, you know, this evil mastermind, <laughs> this greatest actress. But also her makeup, her look was just part of that like where she was this innocent person wearing it and she just completely flipped at the end she looked like a totally different person her makeup was different her hair was different her dress was different but finally and most importantly it was obviously the conversation about the race the race relations and what i thought going in was that these guys are racist they're gonna they're gonna want to take over and and use these people as servants right that's that's the message that it gave mm. but in the end they all wanted to be black you know it was it wasn't about racism as much as black envy and how you know grandpa and grandma turned black and that's and you, all these other people they all kind of looked up at, at black people as having this this advantage but it wasn't like a healthy mm. right way of trying to understand black culture the way maybe i did when i was younger it was more like oh look at the muscles look at the genetic advantage you know again seeing black people as as objects even when they looked up to them and that is just the depth of that thought and that conversation where even when these people are thinking that black people are the way to go and they want to be black they're still looking at black people as objects and not as individuals and that I thought was the genius behind the movie. Yeah, you perfectly said it. Um, I couldn't have said it better myself, actually. The way they like idolize the body, but not the individual. That's right. What you said uh, something about the actress who played the girlfriend. I forgot her name as well. I'm sorry. <laughs> but from what I saw and what I was reading is that she was casted 
to throw people off because like she was able to do it very well. So mm-hmm. d- did you know that she would turn evil at the end or like she was evil the whole time or did that surprise you? No, until until the scene where he finds the pictures from the other boyfriends and even like the girlfriend that turned into the grandma. I mean, I I I had no clue. And usually I'm pretty good about these things because again, <laughs> I'm, I'm a storyteller. I'm a writer. It completely caught me off guard, completely caught me off guard. And that's, again, the genius of the movie. Because normally, like 99% of the time, I'm like, yeah, that's the guy or that's the girl and that's what's going to happen. And my family hates me for that because I, I basically, you know, give up the movie to them. But but in this case, I was completely caught off guard. You know, the last time I really felt caught off guard was The Sixth Sense. Mm. Uh, and, and, and I didn't feel that way. I have not felt that way about a movie until until last night when I saw Get Out. Yeah, uh, I also felt the same way with, with her as well. It's there's something amazing whenever you get this like a second or third re- rewatch. You kind of see some clues in there as well. Remember when the cop helped him after like they hit the deer, and then he asked for um, Chris's ID. She asked him why. So at first watch, you might think, oh, she's just helping him out because he didn't do anything wrong. But really, it's because she doesn't want the cops to have any record of him being there. So I thought that was like a genius way. That's ridiculous. It's just so good, you know? And it's like, obviously, I'm going to watch this again to, to kind of understand how the writers came to this, right? And, and, and were able to fool me of all people. But you're absolutely right. Again, when you, when you watch it again, you see the hints. And there's, again, the genius where even the hints are hidden to a point where, like, there's no way you're going to find out. And I, I, just, I just thought the whole great thing was so great. So great. I, I felt, you know, when you... You know you watched a good movie when at the end you feel invigorated. Right, exactly. You know, and that's how I felt about this movie. At the end, I felt like a surge of energy that I've learned something, that I'm better off for watching this movie. And yeah, I was scared shitless at times. <laughs> but again, it wasn't a horror flick. I know it's you know it says horror on there, but you know, it was to me it was a thriller, yes, but also, you know, a great education of you know, and again, obviously, this was not a real situation. It could never be really real. But even the white people who say, you know, they love Obama or they love, you know, <laughs> are, are they? Are they really, you know, uh, looking at each of these people individually, or do they do they look at race as as or people who are different than them? Uh, and it could it's not necessarily white versus black, but just people who are different than them, whoever they may be, as just representations of a race or objects as opposed to people and that that was just oh my god it was just amazing just to just to see that yeah i definitely agree with that whole thing right there and you said this is more like a thriller and you're right i actually have a quote right here so jordan peele he describes this movie as a social thriller and in a 2017 interview connected by i'm, I'm gonna say the name wrong i'm gonna try my best bilge ebiri for the village voice uh when he was asked about the social thriller he said this the social thriller is a genre I'm particularly obsessed with. To me, it's about the notion that to find the scariest monster, we need to look no further than the human demon. Mm. And when I talk about the human demon, I'm talking about the evil we're capable of collectively. Society is capable of some beautiful things, but when we get together, we're also capable capable of the darkest atrocities. Get Out, I would consider a social thriller. The horror is embedded in the way people interact, the, the way people think, the way people categorize. It's a, it is a very difficult genre to pull off, but when it's done right, it's my favorite thing in the world. That's it, categorization, right? Putting people in buckets. You know, I, I work with the military, and a lot of times I will go out with some of my soldier buddies who've been to war in Afghanistan and Iraq, 
you know, fighting with uh, and, and shooting at people that might look like me. And I and I ask them and I say, you know, I'm wondering, I wonder about that. You know, hey, we're having a beer right now, but you shot at people that look like me. How do you see me? You know, and they're like, what do you mean? You're you're my friend. You're you're a person, you know, but in but in the end, I think we all as humans you know, while my my military friends have been very forthright about the fact that they differentiate between people that they shoot at and the, or shoot at them that they have to defend against, or or people that they're friends with, uh, no matter what they look like. But in the end, I wonder if if we don't, as just a, as a race, uh, intrinsically and instinctually uh, categorize people. Uh, in our minds based on the way they look to begin with. And we might meet people and become best friends with them. You know, I myself, I'm Iranian, and I see that in, in, in Persians or Iranians in that we categorically, you know, in the right sense of the word, don't like Arabs and Arabs don't like Persians, you know, or, or when we look at Japanese or Chinese people, they don't like each other, you know, or French and British people have, have you know, common enmity because of the historical or Palestinians and Israelis, right? But any one of those people could be best friends. And even if like, and I actually have friends who are Arab. And in my mind, I have to ask myself, do I differentiate between the people that I know and those that I don't? And if I don't know them, are they objects to me? Are they categorized in some way? And all of those thoughts came in my mind after watching this movie last night. Never thought of it before. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine when a movie is done so well that someone who, like me, who's 49 years old, discovers something about myself as a result of watching that movie. To me, that's just incredible. Yeah, definitely. And that's a great insight as well. What you said about like the categorization right there, it reminded me there was a documentary where a an Australian man, he's interviewing some people from the KKK. And like he's he's with them at, with their family and they're having like a barbecue. And then he asked them, so right here, you're inviting me in your home. Would you view me any differently if I told you I were Jewish? And the man who he was who was being interviewed, he said, yeah, I probably like without these cameras, I'd probably kick your ass and then get you out of my home. And he's like, well, are you Jewish? And Australian said, um, I don't want to answer that question now. Like, it doesn't matter, but I don't want to answer that question now. And then they laugh. And then later on, the whole interaction becomes more hostile as like the man's wife, the interviewee's wife even asked him even further. We just need to know. Like, it's, we know it's not a big deal, but we just need to know. So crazy, right? It's crazy to think that to think that's like whole big deal. So even though he wasn't Jewish, it didn't matter enough for him to like tell them whether it was yes or no. But apparently, to them, it did. You know, I have a story like that when I was in college, and, and still kind of imbued with a lot of the cultural baggage that I brought from from my home country. I had this really good buddy of mine, white guy from Ohio, who was really very liberal, very you know, very mature in his thinking, even when we were in our early 20s. And I would be like, hey, I met this girl, she's French. Or I met this other guy, he's black. Or I met this other person and, you know, and we're we're hanging out. Or this guy at work who is, you know, uh, Middle Eastern. Or And at some point, you know, I would talk about others, but the first thing I would say is their race or their nationality before I actually talked about it. Right, them. right. And, and it was completely not related to whatever I was talking about. And at some point he said to me, you know, it's been like a few weeks that I know you. And every time you talk about somebody else, you, you bring up what, what the race or nationality it is that they're from when it has nothing to do with the story. Just kind of wondering why you do that. And I was like, really, I do that? I had no idea I did that. 
right? And I stopped doing it after that because unless it's there's a reason that I need to say if someone's you know white or black or from whatever country or straight or gay or whatever, why am I even bringing those things up, right? And that's to me was also another lesson. And what I'm saying is, after watching that movie, I started thinking about all these things. It made me think, and that's where the genius is for Get Out. So Ben, do you think you should have seen Get Out much sooner? Oh yeah, absolutely. I I wish I'd like you like you. I wish I'd seen it in the theaters. It's all the cinematography is amazing, right? Just the way that it's filmed and the emotions that it invokes. You know, the close-ups when, when the when the grandma servant lady is saying, "Oh no 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 no," and her, her, she's got a tear coming out of her. Uh, I mean, it was so powerful, so powerful. Where it's really kind of like the two individuals in there fighting it out, and it just kind of shows it. Yeah, I, I wish I'd seen it earlier. And now a word from our sponsors. Now back to the show. Jason, you know, your movie was Stepford Wives, which I haven't seen. And now I'm really curious to see because you're telling me it, it was the, the source material for Get Out. Why was it on your list? Oh, so you haven't seen it yet? <laughs> nope. No, oh, I haven't. Okay. Uh, we're, we're both supposed to watch it. So, uh, <laughs> oh, shoot. I'm sorry. You're good. I have you're no good. idea. So I'll tell you why right now. Um, so Stepford Wives was the, I would not necessarily source material for Get Out, it was the inspiration for it because Jordan Peele said that it's a satire horror movie and it's not that great as a horror movie, but it did say something about society in a way. So I'm going to spoil it a little bit for you. Okay. Stepford Wives is about this one um, family. They moved from the loud New York City into like the small Connecticut community called um, Stepford and automatically the wife of the family, the mother of the family, she realizes that the women there are acting very strangely. They all act like they're from the 50s, like the stereotypical 50s housewife, right? And there are other women there as well who just moved into the to the to the town who are also very suspicious about what's going on. And she gets like some friends along the way. But very soon, after, she realizes that after the, after like four months of their stay there, so like she had a, she had another friend who was there for like a month, and then once her four months was like past she started acting very strangely too. She became the stereotypical 50s housewife. This she thought was very weird because she was very much a feminist and she wasn't the type of woman who like liked cleaning or cooking for the family. Yeah, so the reason why I put it on my list is because when I was reading about my research about Get Out back in 2017, I wanted to see what inspired that movie, right? I wanted to see what what went into it. And the two movies that I saw that inspired that movie were Rosemary's Baby and The Stepford Wives. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened I, when I was speaking, when I was emailing you for about this episode, about this recording, the Stepford Wise was like on Amazon. So I thought might as well watch that movie now. You know, I, I actually, this came out in the early 2000s, right? Or something like that. Uh, no, that's the remake. The original movie came out in 1975. Oh, okay. Okay. So I think I remember the remake. Well, that's interesting, but you know, and, and obviously now I'm going to go back and watch it uh, and, and maybe watch the original as well. And by the way, Get Out was on Amazon as well, but I had to pay it for the rental. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's a valuable movie. It's a good movie, so it makes <laughs> sense. What do you think was it about this movie that then got the makers of Get Out to think? Yeah, so this movie was um, in part took inspiration from the feminist movement from the 70s. Mm. And the thing that I found very interesting is that there's a woman, her name is Betty Friedman, and... 
Her book, The Feminine Mystique, was the major influence of the original novel, which the film is based on. And she was very critical of the movie. And she she said, and I quote, a ripoff of the women's movement. And she commented that women should boycott the film and attempt to diminish any publicity for it, which I found very odd because if anything, this movie is anti-men. <laughs> mm. Because I'm going to explain a little bit for you. There's like a men's association in the community. And then like the, the father of the family, when they first move into there, he wants to be a part of it. And once he's a part of it, he starts to act very suspiciously. And one night he comes back home from the meeting and he is drunk and he tells his wife, you know, I love you, right? And she's like, of course I know. And that's, there's a whole thing behind it. But do you want me to spoil the film for you or? Yeah. All right. So basically, the men who are in the community, they're scientists, like they're engine- engineers, mathematicians, the whole the whole shebang. And the town is like close to like these factories of like, you know, electronics places, you know, kind of like IBM from like the 70s and all that. Uh-huh. And so one of them, one of the men, he has the the woman in the film, Joanna, the main the main protagonist of the movie. He has her record her voice several times for like an experiment to like basically some, something scientific. I forgot exactly the reason why. And all the women do it. And eventually, they're able to create robots of the women. And then they kill the women to replace... The robots kill the women to replace them, essentially. Wow. And the men are behind it. And I thought... At the end, I thought it was the craziest thing. Because, like, even... Just like in Get Out, he thought um, they're they're taking the, the, the black people and using them as slaves. Uh-huh. They thought in the movie, maybe there was something in the water that was turning these women against their own character but no what really happened was that they just had some the, the main guy the main how do i say the director of the men's association he used to work at disney and he used to, he used to make the robots for um disneyland and he was behind like making the, the replica of the women so eventually he creates these robots of the women look exactly like them uses like the voice recording so that they sound exactly like the women and then those robots kill the women and replace them so the ideal wife is one with no personality and just kind of does what they're told. Exactly. Um, exactly. I wish. No, just kidding. <laughs> so, so the, so, just kidding, honey. If you're listening to this, um, so I, I see the parallel, though, right? Right. It is like objectifying a, a group of people. But here's the difference I see, and you tell me because obviously I didn't see the movie, but based on your explanation, the wives were not. It's not like they were trying to be like the women. They wanted robots that were completely opposite of the women the actual women right yeah whereas in get out these guys are like they're trying to be black you know they're trying to get into the brains of the black people and just have the black bodies you know grandpa is black now you know grandma is (laughs) black now and the other people the guests i mean i i observed how they were they were like looking at this black guy and like you know uh, wanting to be in his body so it's that part of it, I think, again, that's genius from the get out perspective. But I see how there's relation here. I, and I really want to see Stepford Wives now. It seems to me it completely at that point objectifies women, right? That concept of complete objectification of women, which I think is also kind of genius because when you think about when this came out, and like you said, during the women's lib movement in the 70s, you could see how the women from the 50s were seen as objects because they just were trained to do as they were told, like robots and, and men who want that as opposed to women who have their own minds. Um, and they want to go back to that, you know, good old America, you know, make America great again, I guess. But <laughs> but but, you know, there is there is a lot to be said about that, you know, um, 
That, that's very interesting. No, I definitely want to watch it. I forgot to add this in. Not only were they objectifying the women, Joanna, she was flat-chested in the movie. Like, the actress, she's flat-chested. But, like, the robot that replaces her is um, her breasts are much larger. And she was, like, really mad about that. <laughs> you know, you know. And, there, you know, there's there's people now out there. I saw a couple of YouTube videos that have decided that their mannequin is going to be their partner. So that it's not, you know, it might have seemed like really far-fetched in the 70s. But people who have mannequins will now speak and, and listen and, and respond using artificial intelligence. Uh, really high-end high mannequins who, who are also sex objects and, and just sit there until you want to you wanna use them. And, and there's men who are into that. So, it, it, you know, I don't know how that would work because I honestly, <laughs> I, I, to be honest, I do, I do enjoy the, the fact that I have a partner that's, that's real and <laughs> that, that is equal and has their own opinions and most of the time are, are not mine and I can learn from. You know, I honestly, I, I've been married 23 years and I'm so much the better off it and I'm being honest now. You know, some people just can't handle that. Some men just can't handle that. And uh, that's an interesting concept. I, I definitely want to watch. Now I want to watch both of them. You know, <laughs> the remake. Have you seen the remake? No, I haven't seen the remake, but it's more of a comedy from what I've read. I see. So, yeah, I'd love to watch both of them to see. But, you know, there's, again, there's something to be said about that. Because there are men out there who have had enough of women having their own opinions, right? And who just mm. want to just live with a robot. And that's a fantasy of theirs. So there's there's a reality about that. I would say, though, that most men would not be like that. So it's a caricature of kind of men wanting to have women with no thought or mind or at least like for me and, and you know, I grew up in the 80s and, and I'm sure most of the people that grew up after me, you know, it just doesn't make any sense for a woman to not be part of life as an equal, right? It just wouldn't wouldn't work. I wouldn't want a woman who just does whatever I tell them. It just wouldn't work for me, you know? Um, so I don't see it as real as maybe the the premise for Get Out, which really is, is part of our intrinsic instincts, I feel like. But it still is real for many men, I think. For many people who want or maybe are longing for for a time when maybe that was the case. I don't know. Yeah, and the thing that people have realized with the, how do I say, the analysis is that like the satire of the whole thing, whereas Get Out is about race, the Stepford Wives is about gender. It's an interesting dynamic to see like the, the issues that they talk about is still like, hopefully not as like big now, where like the men want it to be more dominant than the women. They mm. want the women to be more submissive, mm. which is... An outdated ideology. Definitely. As far as like the race thing with Get Out, the way I saw it is that not necessarily they want to be black, but I saw it as like they didn't want to do that to their own people. If they wanted to, they could have like gone like on any other person at any other race to do it, but they didn't. They chose black people specifically. And then like the, also like in the Get Out, she was also looking up NCAA prospects and I found that <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know. I feel like race or thinking of people as different than you is something that is intrinsic and instinctual coming from evolution, right? And the tribalism of evolution. And there's something where we have to work on that constantly. Whereas men and women's relationship is very cultural. You know, there are many cultures where women rule around the planet. There are many cultures where they're equal just culturally and have been so forever. 
you know, they're minor pockets. Mostly men have been kind of the, have had the upper hand because of their physical strength, but it's, it's not, it's not constant, but the constant in the human experience is this instinctual separation between you and someone else. Race is simply an excuse, I feel like. And, and, and people you don't know, people you're not close to, people you're ignorant about. Could be another country, could be a neighboring country. So there's just so much more, you know, to me, and maybe because I'm, I don't know, my wife and I are pretty much equal in our relationship, I believe. I hope so. She might think she's the boss, though. <laughs> so so um, I think race is intrinsic. It's instinctive. And we have to fight it. We have to learn to accept each other. Now, some may say, no, kids are not, the kids don't see each other as different. But I'm not talking about people who live together in a community. And that's what's lovely about some of the, you know, city communities or communities where there's multiple races working and living together, because you grow up together. But you might see someone from the other town or from another country as, as different. It, it has nothing to do with race. It's just people thinking of others they don't know about as different as fearsome, you know, that's just instinctual. It's tribalism. Definitely. And there's something I learned when I was, um, my first semester at UMD, I took, it was an intercultural communication class and I forgot what the experiment was called or whatever, but they found that like hamsters, if they're like two of the same colors, like, so for example, there's two white hamsters that grow up together. They'll like each other a bit. Like if one white hamster sees a black hamster when they're adults, they won't like each other. However, if they're like a black hamster and a white hamster growing up together and they need to like help each other with the experiment, if the, the black hamster already grew up with a white hamster, they'll be more likely to help them because they grew up with one and they know that it's okay. That's yeah. right. That's right. So a lot of it is really not racism as much as tribalism. I mean, people in the Midwest may just not, I mean, not, I'm not, I'm generalizing now, but um, may just not see black people a lot. Right. So uh, at least uh, people in the country or something or in places where everybody's white. So you can't blame them if they if they're afraid of black people. Now, there's TV, there's Internet, there's all kinds of stuff. Right. So they have to work on themselves to understand that that's that intrinsic instinct is wrong. And, and so it, it's there, it's it's very complex and it's never going to end. I don't see it ending. I, I see we need to educate people. We need to get people together. We need to get people to to understand each other. But but tribalism is one of those things that's just never going to end. It's intrinsic and instinctive. But I think relations between men and women are just learned and cultural. It, they can definitely be improved as well. Like, of course. We're always learning. We're always yeah, learning. And, so you know, always got to improve. Yeah, exactly. I love living in America, first of all, instead of the Middle East, where there's a lot of problems between men and women, and still there's a lot to learn. And and also where I was able to meet and grow up or, and, and grow older and learn more from others, from other races, other countries. And I became friends with an Arab person, best friends in college, when if I had just stayed in Iran, I would have might have grown up hating all of them without really knowing any of them, right? And so, you know, to me, you know, we are living in a world where that's just no excuse. It, just because I'm saying that tribalism in, is instinctual and intrinsic, it doesn't mean that we have to accept it. Right. It doesn't mean that we can't grow past it. We all have work to do to grow past it and to evolve past it. But there's always work to be done. It's just as Americans, there's no excuse. Maybe, maybe if you're like in the middle of Africa. I, I did some work 
um, you know, in, with the World Bank in West Africa uh, many years ago. And I ended up visiting, visiting a very, very poor village, just, you know, obviously filled with natives um, who were, you know, pure black. It was beautiful, actually. And this little baby, you know, look, takes one look at me. And I was visiting with other, you know, native African, uh, obviously, people who were working there. And I was like, I want to go see this village that no one else has seen. And they're like, what? Are you sure? I'm like, yeah, just take me to some place that white people don't really want to go. And so they did because I was curious and I wanted to learn and I wanted to see. And these kids who had never seen someone who, from their perspective, was white, take one look at me. And this is kids now. This is like four-year-olds and 10-year-olds. The 10-year-olds run away and the four-year-olds start crying because they had never seen anything that looked like me. Wow. Right? So, yeah, if you're growing up in a village in Africa or you're growing up in, in, in some, you know, far away Siberia white place, then I guess, you you know, It'd be nice if you learn more. But if you're growing up in America today, you have, you have no excuse to be racist. You have no excuse to, to give in to your intrinsic, instinctual tribalism. So, Jason, um, I guess I'm going to ask you the same question you asked me. Do you think you should have seen Stepford Wives sooner? Yeah, I think I definitely should have watched it sooner. It would have helped me expand my horizons not just in like a cinematography, but also like commentary on feminism and like the women's liberation movement from like the 60s and 70s. I should have seen it right after Get Out. That's cool. Well, I definitely wanted to check it out now for sure. Seems like a very fun movie too to watch. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay, we reached the end of our discussion. Ben, thank you so much for being here. I had a great conversation with you today. I'm really glad to have been here and I was able to like, I'm sorry, I, didn't, I, I hope I didn't talk off your head, but I was able to <laughs> express a lot of ideas that just rushed into my mind when I watched this thing. And, and it really shows, it, it speaks to the genius of this movie. And I, and I fully, fully, 100% recommend people watching it. So, and thank you. I had a great time. Usually I ask this question. I ask the question, did you, did you find the movies a hit or a miss with you? Let's hear it again. Did you find Get Out a hit or a miss with you? Oh, it was an absolute hit. And I want to watch it again. What about Stepford Wise for you? That was a hit. Surprisingly, I, I thought it would suck. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, I thought I, I had this like prejudice against older movies, which I probably shouldn't have anymore, that if it's older, it'll probably suck more. But this was actually a really good film. So that was a hit for me. Cool. So that's the episode, folks. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, cross off a new film from your list. Thank you for listening to the Hitlist Podcast. If you like this episode, please consider giving us five stars and leaving a review. It really does help. You can also follow us on Facebook at The Hitlist Podcast and Instagram at the underscore hitlist underscore podcast. 